You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Formation Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I write about developing a relationship with God at ryanhughley.com. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Formation Church, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we help pastors solve problems by providing remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. Learn more at myxp.church. All right, we're in a series of conversations right now about managing morale. And uh, last week, we kicked this off uh, talking about what a timely topic this is in light of how difficult we all know the last few years of of life and ministry have been, Mm -hmm. that in most, if not all of our churches, we have varying degrees of morale issues. Mm. And so again, when we talk about morale, the simplest way that we think about it is like when we step back and we look at the community that we're a part of, so the church that you're a part of, you're asking the question, how are we feeling about this community? Mm-hmm. And because life and ministry have been hard, many of us back up from it and go, mm, not great. Yeah. And we talked about the reason that there's urgency in needing to solve this problem is that when morale issues go unaddressed, it can lead to a play. It leads to conflict. It can lead to disunity and ultimately can result in a church closing, which mm-hmm. is always tragic when that happens. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> last week, we talked about the first place that we start when it comes to managing morale is we have to figure out how to how to diagnose the problem. Like mm-hmm. what is at the heart of whatever is causing our morale issue. And then once you have that, we move to where we want to spend our time today, which is um, how do we go about discerning what the solution to that problem actually is. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so the first thing as we were talking about this getting ready that you said is, you know, on the off chance that someone's just dropping in this week and didn't listen last week yeah. and is right into solution mode, that can be really, really dangerous yep. if you haven't given the time necessary yep. to actually diagnose that problem. Totally. So if you haven't done that and really, if you don't really feel like I've got a, a, a true beat on what the problem is, yep. then you need to sp- stop anything else that you're doing and really spend the time there. Yeah. Don't start just like, you know, like, uh, uh, shotgunning like solutions to a problem that need like sniper precision. Yeah. It's just not a good idea. You use the example, like you talked last week about how, um, we use the word diagnose Mm -hmm. when it comes to problem solving. Right. And, and this would be like, you know, you go into a doctor, you present your, your issues and they're like, cool, we'll take ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. And that's fine if inflammation is your issue. Sure. But to use your example, if cancer is your issue, that's not going to go great. Right. So it's really important that you you actually do understand what is at the heart of whatever my morale issue is. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I even remember um, a couple of years ago, I was having some stomach issues uh-huh. and I went remember to urgent that. care. Um, and, uh, I was doing, uh, pretty aggressively doing, um, this F45 workout every day, um, and doing a lot of things that a guy my size 
doesn't need to be doing that same way, but yeah. there's also like some pride in wanting to do it the right way and not yeah. modify and all of that. And so he really felt that I had torn an interior stomach muscle that could take months to heal. And it was pain, but uh, due to like a history of cancer in my family and this and that, I just, I wasn't so sure. And so talked to my doctor and long story short, spent about $10,000 having different procedures done and ultrasounds and uh, CT scans and all of that to, to finally learn that the urgent care doc with the $35 deductible payment was accurate. And um, he had diagnosed it well. Everyone else wasn't quite so sure. And so they just kept doing test after test and come to find out, yep, it just, I, I tore my stomach muscle. Uh-huh. It did take several months of that pain uh-huh. to go away and, and that kind of thing. But I think that's just a great example of the importance of not only the right diagnosis, but believing that they're right as well. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I do kind of feel like that example works a little bit against the point you're trying to make. I forgot that that's what happened. I thought this was building toward the first. I thought no. the point you're going to make is like, hey, sometimes you think the, like the diagnosis yeah. is wrong. But in this case, it was actually right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Got it. Mm. So, so let's say we've like someone has drilled down. And so like, let's talk about our, what, what informs this for us. So yeah. we had, you know, for people that might be brand new to the podcast, uh, at the, about the middle of last summer, we mm-hmm. made the decision uh, as a church, we planted here in Salt Lake city, uh, just over five years ago. And we made the decision to close the original church that we started Yep. to go back uh, into core group mode with mm-hmm. people. So no more Sunday services on Sunday morning. We met at a different location on Sunday afternoons. And for three months, we just did core group stuff before we were going to relaunch as Formation Church, brand new identity, all of that. Mm-hmm. So we did all that. And by and large, all of that went totally fine. And then we relaunched and it was just what I would describe as flat as can be. Mm-hmm. And then it went from flat to it felt like it was sinking week mm-hmm. after week after week where yeah. attendance continued to go down. The um, engagement continued to drop and it didn't take very long before we realized like, wow, we have a real problem. And yeah. so as we worked through diagnosing what it is, we really felt like there was two things. One was when we were meeting, we were meeting on Sunday afternoons mm-hmm. and that was not working for our community. Yep. And then the second thing was our physical location that mm-hmm. we were meeting at. And so we identified, okay, those are the two problems. Now we have to go about solving them. So let's talk through how do we go about discerning the solution to a problem like this? Mm-hmm. And so what would you say is the first step that you would encourage people in? Yeah, I mean, I think I think one kind of really wise step is to gather people that you know to be critical thinkers. Those people that maybe at your church come up and point out things that, uh, I don't care where you're at in ministry, when things are pointed out that need to be addressed or be different, you don't like it's not always like your favorite thing to hear because it's more work for you, but it's not those people who just are like the complainers, Mm -hmm. but the people that like say stuff to you and you're like, they're right. Yeah. Like I wish I would have thought of it, but if I'm honest, they're right. Those people that like are good, maybe in their jobs, uh, they've got like a skill or, you know, a requirement of like problem solving. Uh, They've got a proven track record in that, but people who are really willing to like, you know, I I don't love the term think outside the box Mm because that's just like such a garbage term anymore, Mm -hmm. but, but genuinely people who are really willing to like put some extra thought into and, and are are thoughtful and careful with the things they think. That's the word thoughtful is the word that I was thinking. the feedback they provide. And it's not just like, you know, I don't like this. How come? 
I don't know, you yeah. know, like that's not helpful. Yep. Uh, but those people that like, as they come to you, you know, like, that's going to be, that's going to be something we got to work on. Yeah. Um, and so gathering those people together um, and then, you know, doing some sort of whiteboard session, mm-hmm. something like if you've never done something like that, just some sort of brainstorming, mm-hmm. you know, no bad idea is off the table. Yeah. Uh, you work really hard to like, understand like, um, like what, what's going on, like, yeah. and, and just get lots of ideas out there because in that you're going to find the, like the goods. Yeah. I would say as you're thinking about this group of people that you're going to bring together, there's two categories of people that I would really encourage you to avoid. One, one, there's, there is a kind of person you referenced this kind of person last week. It's the kind of person that walks into, that never walks into a room seeing any problem. Mm-hmm. And you oh, like, yeah. if it's a person who loves every restaurant, loves every space they've ever been into mm-hmm. like they're just low criticality god yeah. bless those people like yeah. they're they're in very enjoyable to be around because sure. they're optimistic and they're positive yep. but when it comes to problem solving they're not really helpful because they don't see it right so you want to avoid that on the I other end great yeah exactly mm-hmm. but you also want to avoid the person who is just sort of cantankerous oh you know totally. where they're just they're never happy all they do is they're like we're talking about there, there's something different in being high criticality or a critical thinker and having a critical spirit. Like having a critical spirit is someone who is just negative Nancy all the time. Totally. They can't be pleased. Those people who love to say, well, I hate to be the devil's advocate. Yeah. Uh, It wasn't even in a church setting, but I remember having a, uh, a boss at Starbucks one time who somebody like pre-framed what Mm -hmm. they're about to say, but well, I hate being the devil's advocate. And, and, our regional vice president was like, well, then don't. Mm-hmm. You've just announced to the room that you're about to work on behalf of, like, the Dark Lord. Yeah. It just seems like <laughs> something that, like, even though you hate to do it, like, if you really hate it that much, don't don't be that person. Yeah. Because you don't always have to have somebody who's just contrary for the sake of being contrary. I think it should be warmer in here. Well, but maybe it should be colder. Like some sometimes people are trying to be profound in their like yeah. obstinance and that just those people aren't fun. No, they're no, not. They suck. Yeah. So I I mean I have people in my life that I love that I just know I don't have these kinds of conversations yeah. with and then there's a handful of people that I know like if I'm really trying to get to the bottom of something, pull these people together because we can have a thoughtful conversation that is going to really solve a problem. So that's great. First one's gather your critical thinkers together. The second one, and you reference this a little bit is that then together as a group, you want to begin to to explore the range of options. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that can be really hard for a lot of leaders is getting their head around. There is almost maybe not always, but almost always more than one solution to every problem. Mm -hmm. And I think it can be, you know, just like with the diagnosis piece that we talked about last week, yeah. it can be easiest to just act on the first solution. Sure. And sometimes the first solution is not the best solution, like we'll talk about in just a few yeah. moments. But what you do want to do, I love your language of like, there is no bad idea. Like, mm-hmm. pull the board out. Yep. Let's get all of the the possible solutions up there. So then we can move on from there and figure out where to go. Yeah. And I just have to say, if like your problem is genuinely a morale one exclusively the answer being a sermon series on joy is not going to land the plane no it's not it's just not and i know that that's oftentimes or like if you've got a giving issue well let's preach on give like it's always like what can we have the guy up front talk about that will immediately change everyone's hearts well if that were true 
everyone in your town would be saved. Right. And they are not. So therefore not everything that is said magically changes people. And you have to have other tactics as well. I'm not saying that that's not a helpful part of the solution, but it's certainly not the end all be all. Yeah. It's one tool in the box, but for for many, and I've been guilty of this. I have tried to preach myself out of every problem. Sure. And that you can some, but, but by and large it, there's, I, I would say the longer that I am in ministry, the, 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 what's the right way to say it? I, I think that preaching rarely, really solves the problem. Yeah. You know, like I think to your point, it's, it's one very critical necessary tool in the box. Mm-hmm. But if that is the totality of the solution, after you've pulled your critical thinkers together and the best idea you guys all came up with is a is a sermon series, then mm-hmm. go back to the board yeah. and keep working. Absolutely. So then lastly, from there, we want to, we want to really, you know, we've got this wide range of options. Now we want to choose the best path forward. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a, a little bit about the best. I think that's the really important word yep. in there because hopefully on our whiteboard, we've got all of these paths forward, mm-hmm. all of these different ways we could solve this problem. Yeah. But we're trying to look at the best. So when you think about um, the best possible way forward, let's talk about just a couple of things that would go into that. One thing that comes to mind for me is we're looking for the best potential return on investment. Mm-hmm. Like solving this problem, whatever it is, is probably going to take, it's going to take time, yep. effort energy, probably money and resources. And so I think really being, uh, this is one thing that I have learned from so many years working with you. I don't think anybody, and we'll talk about this more in a second, is better at really thinking critically about those things Mm -hmm. and about stewarding whatever it is that we have. But, but again, sometimes people just go with the very first solution and don't really spend time thinking about like, what is the potential return on the investment here? Because mm-hmm. if it's going to take an immense amount of time, effort, energy, and money, and the possibility of return is low, like that's probably not your best. W- it might be a way forward, but it's probably not the best way forward. Sure. And then a second one would be, and you can talk about this because this is so much of what you do, but what's going to be the best stewarding of our resources? Mm-hmm. So like, like th- thinking about, come to our example, because we have a real time example of this. Talk about some of the ways in which our decision to move away from renting other people's space yep. and making our ministry center here work for Sunday worship. How was that a better stewarding of our resources? Just real practically. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, so it, it's not always, I think I like that phrase the best stewarding of resources. Cause that doesn't always mean the cheapest way. Yeah. You know, I think oftentimes if you're in a financial role or the executive pastor role, like that's you know, typically what you get branded as is the guy looking for like the, you know, Ikea solution to a crate and barrel problem or Mm -hmm. whatever. And that's just not fair. I think it's a matter of like the whole picture. And so we did end up having to spend a good chunk of money to make happen what we made happen. I think even in our small 4,000 square foot space, um, having a really welcoming environment was very important to us. And so I would say that like, while it's not huge, uh, the, the, the trimmings, the finishings of our children's spaces can rival many of those, except for the, I know sometimes people hire Imagineers and like, we're (laughs) not there, but outside of that, like the things that we have are nice and welcoming and, uh, it doesn't feel like some sort of like, I don't know, camping experiment or something like that. Like it's a really, really like positive thing. And so 
I think making sure that you think through like both like stewardship of resources and return on investment and all of those things. I think a great example is once upon a time, uh, we have a designer, her name's Megan, and she has helped us for years and years and Mm -hmm. years. And it used to be that I would want everything, you know, bought like at a rummage sale or something like that until I started to learn that you can buy like the cheapest couch Ikea has to offer and you're going to replace it every, you know, six to 12 months. Whereas if you buy something that's like much more expensive, I mean, there is furniture that I remember she talked me into at our first uh, church that we planted in Illinois that they still sit on to this day. And I'm telling you, the IKEA and World Market junk that we bought uh, has long been gone or yeah. fallen apart or whatever. And so I just think uh, making sure that you steward it. But you know, uh, obviously, we don't have rent at more than one location. We were already paying the rent here, so there was nothing new mm-hmm. to utilize a space that we had already. Right. Um, it also, you know, I just got the adjustment, and our liability insurance went way down by only uh, insuring one location. Um, We get to like interact with our trailer more like a shed. And so Mm -hmm. we don't have to worry about the same insurance coverage on that. Um, We're not driving our truck as much. So we don't have the gas for that. There's a lot of those types of things. Not to mention like one of our great resources is the people who volunteer Mm -hmm. and the amount of work that it is volunteering here is like, is just next to nothing comparative to what it has been. Totally, exactly. And we still have a high level of service required, but what that service looks like, you know, involves in people showing up at nine instead of seven. Right. Um, and that's a big difference on a day Huge. that is globally everyone everyone's day off, yeah. you know? And so I think um, there's that, there is, um, and I love... I love that we get to use this space even more. We've always been very generous with it. We've let our people use it. We've let other people use it. And I love that it's in use. I hate those churches that are humongous and multi-million dollars and there's not a car in the parking lot except for Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, and that is a shame. And so I like that it's a better application of the thing that we've already invested in. Yeah. Um, and I think as we made the changes, We talked about them in full detail and really made the ones that were the most critical to make it happen. We've even had lots of conversation about, you know, as this works well, um, there's very likely a phase two. I think there's a few things that we could do that would uh, make it a better kind of overall experience for everyone, but we didn't have to rush to the things that weren't crucial to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I I would say, it's also important, like, as you, I mean, you just ran a list and it's, you listen to that list and you're like, well, yeah, this is a no brainer, which yeah. is what good leaders do. Like if you've, if you have landed on a good solution to a problem, then the people who hear the solution should be like, yep, that makes sense. Right. Now, that being said, one thing that we have really worked hard to embrace in the midst of this is even though that was the best solution, it mm. isn't perfect. Oh, yeah. You know, we have been very open with our church about this space presents us with very obvious limitations. Mm-hmm. It is. So if, you, if you're going to like really, if you were going to weigh it on the scales, the pros definitely outweigh the cons, yeah. but we have some very real cons. Totally. And I would, I would say by like, just because a, a solution is not perfect does yep. not mean it's not best. Totally. And so even when it's not best, like don't bog down when you run up against problems in, in the midst of whatever is your best solution that yeah. you're moving toward. Yeah. You have to then up, 
apply any sort of, I mean, if you Google like problem solving method, you'd probably come back with pages and pages of response responses and they're probably all good. Yeah. So you have to apply problem solving to every single situation that you're faced. And even as we moved forward, there were, um, there was nothing easy about any of it. No, it took way longer than we estimated. Mm-hmm. It, um, took more money than we estimated. It took way more time mm-hmm. than we estimated all of those kind of things. And, and some of it was like, we don't have a contractor in the group. Everyone yep. was like watching YouTube videos and, you know, and we have some really handy people, some people who were willing to give up their time and that kind of thing. But it was a lot of, um, trial and error mm-hmm. and like, uh, trying to figure out the best way forward. And as a result, so here's a great example. Uh, week number one, um, uh, so our our children, uh, some of our children, our older kids are in what used to be the warehouse where we parked our trailer. Um, and our design team and everyone who served made it look amazing. The problem is a warehouse isn't really designed with great HVAC. And so we've got like a, a, a solution that we think will work for the summer, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, and then for the winter, it does have um, a heater into it. The problem is like based on the way our ministry center is laid out, that heat uh, above all of our offices where like the infants are and our offices are, it's like kind of exposed uh, with the exception of a drop ceiling. And so as we turned that on because heat rises, it like backed into this space. And like the first week it was like so hot. Yeah. The people serving up there grabbed every fan in the space and like put them on them. And it was just, I mean, I think it got up to like 82 degrees in our upstairs space. And thankfully we had to problem solve that. It wasn't just like, well, I guess that we tried and that's it. Like, you know, so then we were talking about insulation. We were talking about this. And uh, thankfully one of the people who helped so much, his name's John. He was like, well, we should try some shop fans. And I don't understand all of, you know, whatever science that is about heat and all of that, Mm -hmm. but somehow two fans propped where they are, like, makes it magical and mm-hmm. it totally is doable. Yep. I don't understand it, but it works. And and that's what I mean is that we couldn't face this with like, well, it's just not going to work this way. Or yep. we weren't really sure how it was going to work that, I mean, our kids are, you know, if you, if you could use a measuring tape, we have kids that are mm, six feet away from where people are sitting and participating yeah. in the service. I mean, depending on what part of the morning it is. Yeah. And so we had no idea how the noise would travel. Mm-hmm. And so we worked extra hard at insulation and came up with some ideas and by God's grace, it worked well, but there's just things like that, that you're like, well, what about this? Or, you know, what about kids who need to go to the bathroom? Well, so then we had to build a wall to allow kids to go to the bathroom during the service that even though our bathrooms are kind of in our service space, they wouldn't be like interrupting the service. Like there's all of those kind of things that we didn't think about ahead of time that we were faced with and we had to come up with solves for in the moment. Mm -hmm. But there was no like going back at Mm -hmm. that point. We just had to come up with what the best solve was. Yeah, which is largely what we're going to talk about next week. Yep. Um, But the bigger point here right now is even though – even even if, as you've chosen what you think your best, best path forward is, don't be deterred when it has limitations, right. when it's not perfect. And again, don't get bogged down on those. you got to keep pushing forward, keep moving toward whatever it is that you believe is going to be best. Yeah, so absolutely. Next week, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about really the third and final stage uh, of this managing morale, which is how do we actually drive to the... So we've, we've identified a problem. We now have a solution. And, and now what? Because to your point, uh, even after we had a clear solution, it was a very difficult path forward for us. And so we'll talk a little bit about 
um, what's critical that goes into making sure you can really get all that across the finish line. Good. But until then, we would love to connect with you on social media. So as always, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at, at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And you can find me on the same platforms at, at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. 